0: Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis, I'm Gil Gross, Barcelona in the books, we're a day late here, it's Tuesday, but we're going to go back to what feels like 10 years ago and talk about the semi-final between Team and Nadal, then we're going to talk about the final where Dominic Team beat Daniil Medvedev, so a huge week for, for Team in Barcelona. I will get to your comments, which I really like this week, I think it's a strong week of comments, I've read through them. Uh, but before I get started, I just wanna wanna thank you guys randomly, um, everyone who watches and supports every week. A lot of the times when we hit subscriber milestones or something like that, I thank you guys. But I, I literally just want to take this random Monday match analysis to say um, how much how much it means to me um, that I I have this outlet and that we can talk tennis in this in this forum. Um, okay. Let's start with the semifinal. We're going to talk about team and Nadal in the semis. And I saw on tennis TV they, the Twitter account posted that Dominic team stuns Rafa Nadal. And I thought that was kind of interesting uh, because no. So now team has beaten Nadal four years in a row. So at what point can we start to expect? that team as either the number 2 number 3 threat depending on how you look at things to to Rafa Nadal's status as the king of clay team can beat the guy team can beat Nadal on clay and the question becomes is it going to remain how it's been where team can only beat him in best of 3 sets on a faster clay court or will Dominic team have any success in best of five sets on a slower clay court uh, when it when it really, really counts the most at Roland Garros. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I don't want to delve into the French Open um, exactly right to start, but I'm sure there will be some comments on it. Uh, for now, uh, let's talk about the semifinal and what I saw here. And I saw three main things at play. One is something that I think everyone's begun to pick up on here. And that is Nadal, and the area of his game where his age is, is showing most readily is his movement. And what I noticed in this match is there were a lot more points that, that uh, Dominic Team won scrambling on defense than Nadal. There's a very specific kind of point where you're literally in an all out defensive mode, you are under attack. You've dropped a ball short, you are in big trouble, and at this point, you're scrambling. There's a difference between defending and scrambling. And I think Nadal can still defend, but there were a lot of points that Dominic team stole. You go back to 2-all in the second set... And there was a really epic rally, I think, at 15 all. It ended with team playing a great defense. Nadal goes to the dropper, team chases it down and wins the point. Then at 15 30, Rafa is attacking Dominic team, playing a great point. He hits an inside in approach shot, and team hits the cross court backhand pass of the entire match. Two points in that game at two all, where Nadal eventually gets broken, where team's in trouble in these points. He's scrambling. I find that Rafa, who used to win so many points scrambling on defense, this is the area in his game where his age is showing, where he's not winning as many points uh, when he's in big trouble and when he's scrambling. The second thing is losing weapon to weapon. And I talked about this in the Fanini match. In the Fanini match, when he lost in Monte Carlo in the semifinals, Fanini's backhand was the biggest weapon on the court. And that needs to be Nadal's forehand, and it usually is Nadal's forehand. In this match, once again, it felt like Nadal's forehand was the second biggest weapon on the court, and in in the case where Nadal and team were battling weapon to weapon, I felt like team was winning that battle, especially in the consistency area, uh, because... I thought Nadal came up with some spectacular forehands in this match, but I don't think that he consistently came up with spectacular forehands. Team, on the other hand, it was a steady barrage of extremely impressive forehands, and he got to a point where he got extremely comfortable off that wing, swinging as hard as he possibly could, the kind of zone that he can get into. And here's another point I want to make. I think that Team is entering... A point in time where we're starting to see that Dominic team has a level as someone who can hit really, really big off both wings. He has a level that's very, very difficult to deal with at almost a Stan Wawrinka level. The zone that he got in at Indian Wells against Federer late in that match early in the match at the US Open against Nadal and in large portions of this match in Barcelona reminded me of what I think like in the tennis community it's affectionately referred to as like Stanimal mode where he's absolutely clubbing every ball and not missing team has a has a certain he has a certain extra uh that I'll call it that, you know, that extra gear that he can't stay in it forever, but he can get there. And that gear is really something special and something where at 26 years of age, I mean the tour is almost I think on notice now where when Dominic team Dominic team has a level that really no one can maybe no one can handle. The third point is weapon avoidance. So weapon to weapon, I thought advantage team. Scrambling on defense, advantage team. That's not enough, though, for him to win this match. Because if Nadal, right, just because team's forehand is being struck better than Nadal's forehand, and just because he's winning some more points when he's desperate, that doesn't mean that most of the points in this match weren't going to be played on Nadal's terms. That didn't mean that if if most of the, if most if the majority of points were played with Nadal dictating with his forehand and team scrambling, well then team isn't hitting the forehand he wants and just because he's winning more points scrambling doesn't mean he's going to win the match. Here's the third piece that put it all together for Dominic Team, His ability to avoid Nadal's forehand and have it create forehands of his own. The way he defended, especially his backhand corner. Nadal plays into this. I'll get to this in a second, but first I want to show you guys something. Um, I really like this gif that Matthew Willis posted, um, which I hope you can see well, but this is Nadal absolutely destroying an inside in forehand and the way team neutralizes this is incredibly impressive and to me just as impressive as a 100 mile per hour inside out forehand is this backhand from team in on the full run Nadal hit it with good depth it hops off the court you know it does and team on the dead run is able to go down the line with this shot where you need extra precision and get it right back to Nadal's backhand. Nadal's backhand is at a much lower level, in my opinion, than it was last year. I think there are going to be comments on this, but uh, I'm under the general opinion that Nadal can still win, even if he doesn't have the physical advantages that he once had. But he's going to need his backhand. He's obviously going to need his forehand. Um, and we'll, and we'll get into we'll get into why. I know that sounds obvious, but but there are some a little bit more intricate reasons why that's the case. And uh, we'll go in depth on that topic a little bit later. In the meantime, let's go to the Medvedev match. Dominic Team is a dude who, first, I'm gonna to take a drink. Dominic Team, is a guy with Nadal-like physicality. He has that. That's one of the reasons he's so successful on clay. He hits the ball really hard. So what are people going to label him as? A mindless basher. No brains, no shot selection, right? No no hands, no feel. I think Nadal is victimized by the same kind of things. I think sometimes... Uh, Nadal's hands are underrated. Sometimes Nadal's problem solving is underrated, not by everyone, just by some people, just by the more the the more lazier observers. Um, by the way, Federer's physicality is disrespected and underrated. Again, for the lazy observers who pin Nadal as this physical freak and Federer as this you know kind of less athletic ball striker there it's there's truth to it but it's not the whole truth and both of them are overplayed all that to say this was probably the smartest match I've ever seen team play Uh, the the best I've ever seen him find a game plan find something that works and really stick to it he was very, very stubborn after going down 3-love in this first set about sticking with his slice backhand. And I'll be honest, I don't really like team slice backhand that much. He was hitting it well in this match, but generally, I think sometimes instead of sticking it, it's it just kind of floats in the air. Um, he gets he gets too much air under it. He doesn't keep his wrist very stiff. In fact, it's, it's kind of a... He gets his wrist involved in the slice where uh, I almost feel like most really good slices have more of a locked position, uh, a locked wrist as they go through that motion. Um, so Team Slice, I don't like it that much, but God, it was it was great in this match. And I think that someone in, in the comment section on one of my videos talking about the way Medvedev hits his backhand, I'm pretty sure I read, someone said, Hey Gil, uh, wouldn't the slice be very effective against Medvedev? And maybe Medvedev or maybe team was in my comment section because like that's what team discovered here. And that's what team discovered would work for, for, for him here. A couple things about Medvedev's backhand and even his forehand. Um, he doesn't generate enough racket speed to generate his own pace. So when, when you give Medvedev not a lot of pace, he's going to, have trouble hurting you. He's just not going to have an easy time making um, progress in winning the point. All he can really do is stay patient. All he can really do is hit passive, trade it back, and wait for his time. Try to outweight you. Try to outlast you. That's team, That's Medvedev's only play if you don't give him pace. If you hit a deep... Slice into his forehand or his backhand. I'm sorry, Daniil Medvedev's just probably not going to hurt you. Not enough racket acceleration. Um, if you keep it low, that's also a problem for him, because especially on his backhand, because he doesn't generate a lot of topspin, and you force him to lift the ball. So Medvedev's never going to take a ball off the ground and hit it for a winner. Nadal will do that. Uh, team will do that. Uh, Shapovalov will do that. All guys who can hit with a lot of spin off of really either wing. I won't. I don't really feel the need to specify. Medvedev can't. Medvedev, if you keep the ball really, really low, he's going to have trouble hurting you. Um. So lack of pace, lack of height. Medvedev, you're safe against him. That doesn't mean you can that, – that, that doesn't mean that anyone can just beat him this way because Medvedev's very patient, very consistent, and has great cardio. The problem is he, he wasn't here. He was out of gas. He's played a lot of long matches. He played a marathon against Kane Ishikori, and I think when team – when he realized that team wasn't – was going to kind of drag him into the trenches and wasn't going to give him a lot of balls where Medvedev can really initiate – I think Medvedev realized that physically he wasn't going to be able to hang with team here. As a result, he kind of gave up. And again, we've seen this from Medvedev earlier this year. We've seen it, but we've seen it from him throughout his career. He's either fighting really hard or giving up completely. And there's really, there's very little in between. And he should probably work on that because he gives himself no chance in these matches when he gives up, where even if, even if Dominic Team's level dipped, Medvedev was so far out of this match that it probably wouldn't have mattered. So Medvedev needs to work on that. But credit to Team for implementing a game plan that Medvedev realized he didn't have the physical strength to deal with. I think he came into this match tired and, again... He was not willing to do the work that it was going to need to take to win this match. And it was going to take a lot of work. It was going to be grueling. This is going to be a weakness for Medvedev. This is going to be a struggle for Medvedev. He's going to run into scenarios where it's going to take a lot of pain tolerance for him to win tennis matches. And what we've seen is we've seen him either endure and have a lot of success like he did against Djokovic um like he did against Nishikori in the semifinals. Um or we've seen him completely give up and and not be willing to go through the the pain that unfortunately for him his game requires of him because he needs to play these long grinded out rallies. People do not pin Medvedev as an aggressive player because he's tall. He gets he he He's advantaged by his height with his first serve, which by the way, he needs to get more in the box. His first serve percentage is too low, but Medvedev is a grinder and he's not changing. So it's not a matter of, okay, Medvedev needs to make his forehand bigger or, uh, you know, Medvedev needs to learn how to use his six foot five, uh, frame to his advantage and play more aggressive. It's not going to happen. That's not Daniil Medvedev. Uh, I do have a clip, so we can watch this Dominic team slice in action. And I want to stress how stubborn team was about using this repeatedly. He really, I mean, he he mixed it up. You're going to see a topspin backhand, but he was slicing it a lot. And and that takes a lot of commitment for a guy in team who isn't really used to using the slice. I, I'd say he normally uses slice ten percent, and it became at a time probably sixty forty slice for Dominic team. There it is, low below the net. Medvedev can't do much, and that time he pushes him back with it. Opens up with the forehand, the drop shot again. Medvedev misses this last shot. I think this is a very tough shot for Daniil Medvedev um, on the drop shot because he's not used to using his wrist to to lift the ball and to get the kind of RPMs that would that would allow him to dip the ball back in the court. So one, I think it would have been very hard for him to go down the line. Dominic team um, anticipates this ball cross court. I also want to point out that team didn't have to play the drop shot here. He actually uh, succeeded before he played the drop shot in what team was trying to do, um, which is open up with his forehand. He could have ripped a forehand on on the finishing shot, team's last shot. But watch how he brings Medvedev literally into no man's land, and Medvedev can't really do anything there because of his stroke mechanics, and then he's too far in, team can rip it and push Medvedev back because he's in a compromised court position, he's too far in, and that's what gives him the the easy ball to take advantage of. There's the slice, Medvedev can't do much, now he rips it deep, pushes him back, that's a floater of a forehand, goes with the drop shot, and then again, putting Medvedev, making Medvedev hit... Um, a low backhand, and he has to move into the court when he hits it. It's actually my least favorite shot too. I generally have to slice the ball um, when I have to hit that shot. It's my least favorite shot in all of tennis. Is when I have to move in and hit a bat back- and hit a low backhand. So I can't really hit topspin. It's a tough shot. Um, and that's it. Let me just look over my notes. Real quick to see if I uh, didn't miss anything. Um, Yeah. I got it. So let's go to the comments now. Shall we? After I drink some more tea. All right. Reading them in order of likes. Um, Top comment comes from... Mr. Vonch Vanj- uh, Vermani. He says, uh, What do you think about the struggles of Marin Cilic this year? He is 82 in the race to London and is 4-6 and six in 2019. How come no one is talking about him? Do you think he is very underrated for a guy who has won a slam and been to two other finals? Everyone is talking about Zverev's struggles, but he is 20 in the race and did reach the Acapulco final. He has also lost to players who were in form and went on to win the tournament. Thoughts? Um, first of all, thank you for the, the good info on Chilich. Um, I didn't know where he was in the race to London. So thank you for that. Um, I predicted at the beginning of the year for Chilich to drop out of the top 10. And I did that just based on simply based on trajectory. And then I remember last, uh, a couple videos ago, I was saying that Chilich might be in permanent decline And they were like, how could you say that? Nadal is 32 and, you know, um, Federer is 38 and, or 37. Anyway, the, the thing is, age is just a number. It's trajectory that you look at. And right now, Marin Cilic, I think he's 30 or 31. Cilic is at an age where some players decline. Some don't, some do. This is not a numbers game. You know this is this is a trajectory game, and Chilich is just on the wrong trajectory right now. In terms of his game, it, it just feels like he's not staying in rallies anymore. And uh, the the one match where I really kind of decided that he was in trouble was the Monfils match in Rotterdam, where he lost the third set six love, and I, I just he could not make first of all it seemed like he was desperate to hit a winner within the first five balls and it seemed like all Monfils really needed to do was play five balls back and the error would come so Chilich's game isn't there right now I don't think you know and it could be he's physically breaking down but I I just think that it's it's something that happens at at his age it happens it just doesn't happen to everyone uh And I don't know why no one is talking to him. Is he an underrated player in general? Extremely, extremely. The consistency that he showed from like 2016 to 2018, I mean, I I was saying it over and over again. People weren't giving Marin Cilic enough respect for repeatedly being in slam semifinals over and over and over again. Again, made three finals. He won one. He won the the U.S. Open. So um, certainly a player... Who, who, honestly, look, let's just be honest. He doesn't move the needle when it comes to, um, I don't know how to put this. He's not box office. Publicity, you know, he's not a needle mover. Uh, but as a player, yeah, he's underrated. And should people be talking about his decline more? Should people be focusing a little bit more on him? Yes, uh, they should. So let's keep an eye out. You know, maybe, maybe something's nagging him, but again... Like, last year at Wimbledon, you, you saw the signs. You can't lose to Guido Pela in, in the second round there. I mean, you, you can't. And Pela's a, Pela's a really good player, especially on clay. Uh, I mean, Team's Barcelona, by the way, and I didn't mention this. He beats Pela in straight sets, Schwarzman in straight sets, and Munar in straight sets. That's another another reason why, when Tennis TV said that Team stuns Nadal, I was like, what are you saying, stuns I mean that is wildly. Those are three clay quarters to beat all three in straight sets. Tells you about how well team was playing. So he didn't drop a set throughout entire uh, the entire Barcelona the entire week because he beat Nadal in straights. He beat Medvedev in straights. Um, so yeah, people people should be sh- people should be talking about Chilich more. Unfortunately, if you lose so early so often. You know, it's more likely that I don't get to see you play. So I'd love to give a little bit more on exactly where Chilich's game is at. Again, from what I've seen, he can't make a ball in the court, so that becomes pretty simple. Um, but when when he's losing early, I'm not even. I feel like I haven't watched him much this year. Jose Moreno, he you always get a lot of likes on your comments, Jose. Uh, what is different in Rafa's uh, game this clay court season? Okay. So a lot of people are saying, oh my god, Rafa can't defend all of a sudden. Uh, Yeah, to an extent, sure, but I don't think that's all that new. I think we saw that last year when Rafa, when he was playing, was so dominant. I don't think Nadal was defending that well. I really don't. Is it a little worse right now? Probably. But here's the thing. Nadal won last year with a brutal barrage of attack off the ground. I mean, the the aggressiveness that Nadal was bringing to the court with his forehand and his backhand is why he had such a successful year. The backhand is key. I think it was way stronger last year. I think, uh, the backhand was the best he's ever hit it in 2018. Um, and that's why I picked him to win Wimbledon, for example, because he has to hit way more backhands on grass. And I'm like, you know what? He's going to be ready to, to hit more backhands on the, on grass. Um, I don't know why I publicized my incorrect picks like two years later or one year later, Um, but you know I think against Team he was getting pushed back on his backhand, and when when Nadal hits a backhand against a a player as good as Dominic Team, you need to hit it either well enough where you're hitting putting Team on the run, or you're hitting it down the line where you're giving Team a backhand. Too many backhands sat in the middle of the court. But that also needs to be a side where he can bring the aggression. If he's going to lose, if he's lost some of his defense, then he needs to be able to bring the aggression off of both sides, not just his forehand. And then um, I think that the forehand, again, less consistent. Less consistency from that side, where sometimes he comes up with spectacular Rafa forehands The biggest weapon in clay court men's tennis. Sometimes, though, it hasn't been there so far. Now, very important point here is that I think he looked a lot better, and he agreed. Uh, He looked a lot better in Barcelona than he he did in Monte Carlo. So again, trajectory. Very important thing to look at. It's pretty good. Um, Very tough name to pronounce. I'm going to go with Tanashi. Hi, Gil. Um, As we all have mentioned before, Nadal nowadays is relying more on his offense than his defense, as we saw in Australia. Didn't you think that currently faster courts are better for him as he can destroy opponents with his forehand? He is certainly improving his game right now, and I can see him winning Madrid or Rome, where the courts are faster than Monte Carlo and Barcelona. Your thoughts, please? Uh, You would think so. But at the same time, sometimes slower courts really bring out the best in Nadal's forehand because he can hurt he can hit through these slow courts and his opponents can't. So that's that's the thing. like when when it comes to like grass courts, let me let me use Medvedev as an example. Uh, Medvedev team would not be able to use the strategy that he just implemented against Medvedev on grass because grass would bring enough speed to Medvedev's game, where he could probably hurt Team um, off the ground, even if Team wasn't giving him a lot of pace. Clay, it's so much harder to hit through the court that it separates the guys like Team Nadal, Vavrinka, who are able to do it really, really well. Um, could I see him winning Madrid? And Rome, yeah, I can because he's getting better. Uh, so I can, I could, I could see him winning one of those tournaments. Can you grade Medvedev's game like you did for Titi Pass and FAA? Oh, so so that's a that's a video request. Um, I still need to grade. I also got a, a request to grade Shapovalov's game on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Gil Gross. Um, David, uh, Mary Mahari. Didn't you think slices were less effective on clay? I think slices and drop shots have been key to team's victory. What's your thought? Uh, I agree. So that's that's astute. So I think that uh, offensively, they're less effective on clay. But in general, first of all, I mostly saw that in the Medvedev match. And drop shots are just as effective on clay as anything else. I stand by what I said about slice... Being less effective on clay as an offensive weapon because you don't get the skid, but team wasn't using it as an offensive weapon against Medvedev. Team was using it um, as a way to take away pace. That's all team was doing. a way to take away pace. Uh, he wasn't, you know, trying to draw errors off of it. There was no chip in charge. You know, he was trying to use it to set up his forehand to a certain extent. But in general, he was just extending the rally. As an offensive weapon, slice can be very difficult to deal with um, on certain hard courts and certain grass courts. But on clay, it becomes more of a change of pace. And, of course, defensively, it still helps uh, to, to use slice. And, of course, drop shots are still effective. But I think it was more a matter of the matchup. Team slice was very effective because he was playing Daniel Medvedev, right? Will Cassell, how you doing, buddy? Um, each year, uh, team has gotten better and better on clay. Why do you think this is so? Tactically, it doesn't seem like too much has changed. Uh, the game plan, against Nadal particularly, seems to be to just bludge, uh, bludgeon the ball. Uh, is it simply better execution, better mentality, or something else? Perhaps more variety. Yeah, that's. I I fundamentally agree with you that that team hasn't reinvented the wheel here, that the that he's still playing to his strengths and that fundamentally it's still kind of the same old dominant team. I think it's mostly just a matter of, of him executing better at, at 26 years old. The return is a lot better. I think the defensive skills on the backhand side are a lot better. He has more direction on the court when it comes to how he uses his court positioning. It, it just, it feels like he, it feels like he's putting himself in more offensive positions and he's defending better. Uh, but with age, when you're 26 years old, from the time you're like 24 to 26, you're going to become the best version of yourself physically. Uh, you are going to figure out parts of your game, like, like to me, the, the backhand, the way he defended his backhand against Nadal in Barcelona, there's just no chance he could have done that two years ago. He just didn't have that kind of feel for the court. Uh, He was, he just wasn't ready to to do these things. So I think learning about his game, playing to his strengths, uh, just improving really in every aspect. But nothing, nothing really sticks out as, like, oh, this is what clicked for Dominic Team, and this is why he's better. And again, I think the improvement is is relatively slow, but also present for Team On Clay. Last one Rafa says in the match against Fanini, he was very bad, and against Team, he was much better. Do you see the difference? Yes, I think Nadal was much better um, against Team than he was against Fanini. I lied. One more. Nadal was better at Barcelona than at Monte Carlo, but he seems weak in his physical aspect. Do you think one month is sufficient to be ready for the French Open? Uh, Yeah, I think it is. I think a month is a long time, actually, for Nadal. And I don't think he's... Again, I think he can win the French Open without being as lightning quick as he used to be. I still think he has the weapons to do that. All right, everyone. Uh, That's all we got for today. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. Our house is a mess.